welcome to the pilot episode of the, what I'm going to call for now, the Sam Wakefield Wrestling Podcast. But I'm going to come up for a name for it at some point. And also, I'm going to have my wrestling buddy, Mark Dowling, will be joining me for every episode um, after Christmas when we start actually writing some sort of script or direction or theme or subject to what we actually want to talk about so it's not just someone rambling on about wrestling and we're going to try and have something that makes sense whether we'll do um, reviews of Dynamite or reviews of NXT TakeOver pay-per-views or we might do a bit of fantasy booking maybe coming up we're thinking about um doing a fantasy booking of an NXT All Elite Invasion, like the old ECW, WWF Raw angle they did back in the day, but mainly the reason I'm doing this is just to try and listen to the quality, um, see anything that needs to be ironed out, see how I sound, see if I can bear to actually put my voice out there for people to listen to and scrutinise. And um, just really get to grips with the podcast app that I'm using. So, if you're listening to this, I did decide to put it out there. Chances are I'm going to listen to it and just decide that um, I'm not going to bother. I'm just going to scrutinise it and then delete it. But um, as you can probably hear, I'm driving in the car. So, obviously, on a weekly basis, we will be sat in my dining room with a few cans. Um, Hopefully silent, no little babies running around, no cars, no um, sound like that, so anyway, first thing I should really do is sort of, uh, I suppose, introduce you to me and where I got into professional wrestling, um, like how I consume professional wrestling now, and just sort of generally so you sort of know where I'm coming from. I saw my I saw my first ever professional wrestling match would have been World of Sport coming from England and my mum used to take me occasionally to shows in Chelmsford where there was Big Daddy, Kendo Nagasaki, um, Giant Haystacks, Steve Regal, who's now William Regal um, and I absolutely used to lose my shit and I used to love it. I would probably leave... Chancellor's Hall in Chelmsford, about four pounds lighter in sweat and just pure spit and adrenaline and I would normally ha- not have a voice left. I would be absolutely shattered because I thought, obviously being sort of, I must have been age six or seven years old, I thought this was 100% real on the up and up. And I was just so involved and just the injustice of, um, I remember seeing Robbie Brookside when he was part of a Liverpool lad. I think he was against Kendo Nagasaki and probably Giant Haystacks. Kendo Nagasaki got the salt pouch out and he was gonna use it um, while the ref was distracted and then somehow or another Brookside got hold of the salt, threw it in Nagasaki's eyes and got Bam from ringside, making it a handicap match, and I was beside myself. Um, I was just so into it. So we used to go to that, and I, I thought it was great for what it was. 
then I went round a friend's house who had Sky Sports and I saw Macho Man Randy Savage versus the Ultimate Warrior at Wrestlemania and my tiny little mind was blown and whereas I think going to see the wrestling in Chelmsford could have quite easily been a phase where when it died out I probably would have just forgotten about it soon as I saw Macho Man Randy Savage in the blue and white sparkly tassly trunks and he was tanned and he had huge muscles then the ultimate warrior this absolute maniac of a man who had face paint on and the long highlight bleached hair he had muscles like I'd nobody had in England and um, the drama of that match the fact that Macho Man gave multiple elbows I didn't know anything at this point I knew there was good guys and bad guys but watching this I it was obviously um, I guess it was kind of like a I guess Macho started heel and was made face or came in face and went out more face I don't know but anyway the drama of the smaller guy and he was giving it all he could against this like incredible Hulk looking character and he gave him elbow after elbow after elbow and still it wasn't enough and then this huge man comes back who surely is just easily going to get the victory against this man who's given it everything anyway macho kicks out warrior gets on his knees and starts praying to the gods he can't believe it he's all he's almost at the point where he's going to walk out of the match and give up because he's done everything he can to macho man and oh it was just amazing that wasn't me fighting by the way that was me blowing a raspberry for some reason so um then obviously macho man finally succumbs to the warriors overwhelming strength and then sensational sherry who had taken over the you know ring valet services from an estranged Miss Elizabeth, who was like the sweetheart, the first lady of WWF. Well, I knew nothing about it. I just knew this, this lady in the crowd with his old girlfriend and this lady. So anyway, Sensational Sherry starts kicking the shit out of Macho Man Randy Savage. And then Miss Elizabeth comes in and makes the save. You, if you're wrestling fans, you know, my age, 35, then you'll know the rest. It was emotional. I still, I watched it less than six months ago and I swear to God I got choked up and got a little watery eyed when the whole macho man Miss Elizabeth thing happened and like that for me was when I was really hooked and then I just wanted to get around that friend's house as often as possible just to see why I could I don't think I knew I was aware of Wrestlemania but I knew that show was probably a bit more special when I started seeing like the other weekly shows and stuff like that and, um, Really went from there. I never really. I, we didn't have Sky, so I was fully reliant on one. See, around a friend's house, um, we would have. My mum would buy us WWF videos when she could afford, but they were like really expensive. You can get them in Asda's, and I don't. I wouldn't even want to say how much a VHS was in like 1991, 92 anyway. But especially like the wrestling ones, just seemed to be more money. So we had WrestleMania six, which was 
Hogan Warrior and I just watched that repeatedly every match on the card didn't really fast forward any of it and then just over time we'd pick up videos when we could get them cheap and chumps of market and probably boot sales and stuff like that and then I came across two videos absolutely totally different two blue VHS's and they had this guy with a big head of blonde hair I think he was on the cover he was bleeding he didn't look like old warrior Hulk Hogan he looked kind of flabby but still kind of big and in shape um, and there was these other two guys in black with face paint on and spiky shoulders and this is, these videos were the NWA videos and um, it was a great American bash sort of highlight show and I can't remember what the other one was called but it's in my garage but it had the whole um, Ric Flair and Harley Race in a cage it had Ric Flair versus Kerry Von Erich before he got to WWE um, yeah, that was a gruesome match between Roddy Piper and Greg the Hammer Valentine the dog collar match where he bleeds from the ear Abdullah the Butcher oh my god like oh so I kind of started off seeing this W. WF highly produced like Hollywood glitzy like and I loved it but then I saw this other stuff this NWA stuff and like the guys clearly weren't bodybuilders but they were like cowboys like tough guys like these guys look like maybe probably wouldn't want to approach them the, the arenas were like these outdoor arenas or they were these kind of sweaty dark smoke filled rooms and um, I, I just equally loved that as much I know that it was totally different but um, I just yeah I really loved it and I watched that over and over I watched the Missing Link versus Junkyard Dog which was just the most surreal match um, you got this big chunky African American guy who barks and crawls around on his hands and knees and head butts you and then you've got this man who's got fluffy hair on top of an otherwise bald head and his face painted blue and he got the ring steps and smashed them against his own head and he was pulled out by his manager by the hair and oh it was, it was absolutely just crazy and I just consumed wrestling at a crazy crazy rate from that point anything I could get my hands on there was no like I lived in a small small village um, so there was no tape trading I didn't there was no internet like I didn't know even know anyone else who watched wrestling even a friend whose house I'd watched wrestling round was very casual you know he watched a bit of everything but wrestling was on top of his thing but he, he had no objection to watching it when I'd come round and force him to watch it so um, I'm going to take a real quick break and just listen to this and see how awful it sounds hopefully not too awful and then I'm going to um, continue some of my early WWF slash NWA um, wrestling memories right hello welcome back so um, yeah I gave you like a brief description of like the very like birth of me becoming a wrestling fan and like my sort of basic understanding of the differences between WWF with the bright 
blue ring mats and the red, white and blue ropes and um, just a sort of more glitzy, ah! Just nearly stalled the car. More sort of glitzy, high-end, Hollywood kind of looking thing. And then discovering the NWA, which was um, something totally different, something more gritty. So, I can't remember, like, I mean, I guess I had a few compliments, compliments, Jesus, I forgot the word. I guess I had a few highlight videos, I'm going to say compilation videos of sort of like um, the Rampage 1990 tour and stuff like that, which I kind of alright, but like the next big milestone for me, like in that early stage was, I got a VHS tape, which was the Royal Albert Hall, the Battle Royal at the Royal Albert Hall, and um, for me, like this took over for watching WrestleMania 6 over and over again, this new one was amazing, and then I was kind of confused because this had the blonde guy from the front of the NWA video, it had Ric Flair on it. And he had the NWA belt, and he was calling himself the real world champion. But he was only in the second match against uh, Tito Santana, who I wasn't aware of jobbers or journeymen or enhancement talent, nor am I suggesting that that's what Tito Santana was. But he was probably not presented as like a huge star. Although, like, as years have gone by, I've come to appreciate what an amazing, like, I guess they call it mechanic or worker, Tito Santana really is. Due to an or due to like a, a problem with the music, Tito Santana came out for the first 10 seconds with no music. So Ric Flair came out in this big, green, sparkly robe. He had this huge, great big belt. Uh, Bobby the Brain Heenan was going absolutely crazy um, he was standing up he was getting emotional this is a real world champion Tio Santana comes out to no music until he gets almost to a ring and then this sort of generic like Mexican music starts and um, it was a great match I absolutely loved it how I got straight away how Ric Flair was like he came across to me like this sort of kind of like snivelling piece of shit who um, like he could be a tough guy and like he did kind of have his abilities but he was like very weaselly and on the back foot just sort of dropping down to his knees and Conti going no and then soon you'd let up that's it bang he'd chop you across the chest and uh, do all kinds of things to uh, he'd cheat when he, it seemed like he didn't need to he'd pull the hair ultimately he won that match by pulling Tio Santana's tights in a roll up and showing his whole ass to the Royal Albert Hall, to one side of the Royal Albert Hall. Um, the match before that was the Rockers and the Nasty Boys, the opener, and that, like the Rock, both the Rockers and the Nasty Boys blew my mind. Like, as much as I knew about, like I was getting the grasp of like, there's some guys who seem nice, good, upstanding guys, and these other guys seem like real nasty guys. I was still really into the Nasty Boys. Like, I don't know, it's, like, how could you not be these huge big Americans with like mohawks into mullets, they had teeth missing, they had like this, these clothes with paint splattered all over them, they're just like gang, sort of cowboy punk boots on. It was amazing. 
But anyway, that whole show for me, like I still watch that. My wife would attest, but I still watch that like easily a couple of times a month. If like clearly not the whole show because I just don't get the time. But I'll put on Ric Flair versus Tito Santana a few times a month. I'll just watch the Rockers Nasty Boys match. I'll just go and watch the Battle Royal. Um, I think this may have been the first time I became aware of the Undertaker. I think maybe my mum got me like the official 1991 annual. I had, so I got introduced to all these guys who I'd never seen on video, but just read they read their short bio in the book. <laughs> um, but the Undertaker, oh my, like, how, like, what do you think as a 12-year-old boy about the Undertaker? I think by this point, I think they'd probably crept into me by this point. They're like. Definitely wasn't like Nigel Ben versus Chris Eubank, which I'd watch, you know, with my auntie Pam. Um, yeah, it was definitely a little something extra put in there, a little extra seasoning where, like, it's clearly like I've got a guy who's a big boss man, who's a copper, but also he's allowed to come and wrestle. You've got the Mountie, uh, yeah, the guy who's an undertaker who's actually really a zombie, but uh, he doesn't feel like. So, I mean, I knew there was something up, but it was almost like an unspoken thing, like, kind of like when I watched Commando or Rambo. I knew it was a film. I knew that he wasn't really getting, like, jumping on a grenade and then getting up and machine gunning, like, 50, like, soldiers. But I would still scream at the TV. I was still into it. I still thought Arnold Schwarzenegger was, like, the toughest guy on earth. So, for me, it wasn't really a big deal, I never had that, I spoke to a lot of people who went, oh yeah, yeah, I, I used to love wrestling, and then I realised it was fake, and I just kind of think, are you stupid, like anyone surely who gets to a certain age realises it's fake, so, and, and for me it was never fake, I, it was like, well when I watched Coronation Street around my hands, I just knew like, Vera Duckworth didn't really run that pub, it, just a TV program. I just accepted it for that, and that's how I took wrestling. But I constantly would have my big brother in my ear, and this is all rubbish. Why did he do this? And why did? He... Oh, and it, we used to have some punch-ups, some real, not fake, some real punch-ups over that. I just wanted to be left alone when I watched wrestling. Um, I didn't want anyone really around me talking shit about it. Um, but that was amazing. The um, Battle Royal at the Royal Albert Hall, the actual main event, the actual Battle Royal. Like, I still watch it to this day and I still know that British Bulldog's going to win and that he's going to get double teamed by the Mountie and by Typhoon. Um, like, I know all this stuff. I still get excited. I don't know whether it's just hard. It's just built into my hard drive or my DNA as like a wrestling fan. It's just put in there that I can't not get excited. I just do. It just does it for me. Um, so that was really kind of that and then I guess there was a short period where I couldn't really see wrestling um, I don't know whether the videos weren't available as much or maybe I did get a steady stream of videos but there were more things like football boots and badminton rackets and stuff like that which I kind of you had to have if you wanted to do <laughs> that's my mate DJ Danny James laughing at me so anyway, yeah, there was a period where I didn't want to dress in. 
I'd seen glimpses of it, I'd seen the magazine, I'd look at it, it was Brett the Hitman Hart, that was a huge thing, he was like the, he was kind of like the new kid on the block, but I'd also seen him in this tag team as well, so, I, I, like, he broke out from the tag team and just like, for me, Brett the Hitman Hart in the 90s was like the, the wrestling equivalent of like a Michael Jackson, like, purely in the creative sense, like, he just, the, the level of um, like fame and like popularity he had was just crazy. Like I remember watching a thing where he went to India and literally the car couldn't move because all these school children and people came out and it was like absolutely hysterical. People were going crazy for him. Brett Lee at Man Hart was amazing. So anyway, uh, 1996, my mum got Sky and I decided I was going to record every pay-per-view. The first pay-per-view I saw in 96 was Survivor Series, so it was late 96. So I got the debut of Rocky Maivia, who come to be The Rock. Um, there was a tag team in that match, or it might have been in the other, maybe in the other match, called The Rockers, and it had Marty Jannetty in a green singlet, and this other guy, who wasn't Shawn Michaels, but I kind of knew that Shawn Michaels was off doing this. Shawn Michaels was like main event in that pay-per-view. And then Marty Jannetty and the Rockers was, um, you know, there. The new Rockers. I think Jim Cornette might have been managing them. So that was my reintroduction after. So, like, if that was 96, I probably didn't see anything like 93, 94, 95. It's like three years. I'd seen pictures of Bret Hart versus Razor Ramon. Um, and, and like stuff like that, but not really. Like I wasn't, I, I couldn't tell you what was going on there. Not for lack of not wanting to, just not being able to. Times were hard in the Wakefield house at points, and we couldn't really spend money on VHSs. My mum had to buy them pork chops and potatoes. Mm. Um. So straight away, head first, bang into it. In that pay-per-view, The Undertaker comes down, tied to, uh, like, he's coming down, like, in a bat suit with bat wings, and he's got, like, a harness on him and all this kind of stuff, and, like, it was just crazy. I didn't even think The Undertaker was the same man, because he had straight hair, a goatee. He just looked different. He just looked totally different. Um, he had, like, new attire. He was kind of wearing this, like, leather trousers and... Uh, so he was fighting mankind and Paul Bearer was being raised up in a shark cage above the ring so he couldn't interfere because he betrayed the Undertaker and he was now mankind's man. Until my brother walked in and said, oh, you know who that bloke is in the mask? And I was like, absolutely not. No, it's mankind. It's Cactus Jack from WCW. I was like, what? So this was my kind of first experience with guys disappearing appearing as characters and coming back like I thought Cactus Jack was just Cactus Jack and like although I knew it was like you know not all on the up and up I still thought when Cactus Jack probably left the arena he was probably just still Cactus Jack and um so I was a bit taken aback by that I was like what and then there was a wild man Mark Marrow on that same show who like I recognised because we I should have mentioned, got WCW every Saturday. So in the time I stopped watching WWF, I was watching like a 35 minute WCW show on Saturday mornings. And 
sometimes at like one, two in the morning, you'd get a pay-per-view on Channel 4 or something. Um, but I had no, like, continuity to anything that was happening in WCW because I just saw it so sparingly. Like, I was well aware of Sting and Vader. I went to see a WCW show at Wembley Arena in, I think, about 1992. It had Sting, the Vader, Rick Rude versus British Bulldog. So I had gone more into that. And probably by that point, WCW... Yeah, it probably felt a little bit second-rate to WWF. But I still thought, I still cried when Heavy Metal Van Hammer came out and had to lie and tell my mum I had a tummy ache. But actually, I was just so excited to see Heavy Metal Van Hammer come out in the first match. I was overwhelmed. Never been in a big arena like that before. Oh, maybe I had when I've seen Michael Jackson, but never been to a wrestling show of that magnitude. It, it just got to me, man. So, um... Yeah, anyway, got back into WWF. WCW dropped off the radar. Didn't really know anything about it at all. Mm. Could have been out of business for all I knew. And straight away, there's this guy called Stone Cold Steve Austin, who I knew about. I knew who Stunning Steve Austin was, and I knew that Stone Cold Steve Austin was the same man. So... Before Survivor Series wasn't the first show I saw. I think I had four weeks of Raw, four episodes of Raw leading up to that. So I'd seen Steve Austin attacking Bret Hart, and I realised that he'd come in. And he had this new like mean streak, and um... so yeah, that was kind of where I come in. And then from there, I just went full steam ahead into the Attitude Era, DX, um, Austin, Rock, Triple H. Then the Monday Night Wars started and I was a huge Chris Jericho, Dean Malenko, Rey Mysterio, Eddie Guerrero fan as night because Nitro came on the Cartoon Network. So Cartoon Network would finish and at 10 o'clock Nitro would come on. Or maybe nine and I'd flick between Raw and Nitro. Um, so really I, I think that's probably like as far as I can really go because otherwise I'm just gonna be absolutely trying to dump my whole wrestling fandom history into like a tester podcast and it's not worth it so um, yeah I hope you enjoyed listening to this and as I said like in the new year we're going to be in a better environment better sound environment we're going to have proper subjects to every podcast we're not going to strictly be just a watch-along podcast, but we may sit down and I really want to watch the Battle Royal at the Royal Albert Hall with Mark and like just give out what we think about that. Also, I want to do, like I said, I want to do the AEW NXT Fantasy Booking episode. We could get really into that, how it would be for Adam Cole to turn up at Dynamite or um, Santana Ortiz to attack you know, the bro on the NXT show. It's total fantasy, but it is what it is. And then probably moreover, we're just going to give our general opinions on Dynamite and NXT. I don't think we're going to get stuck into the main roster. We'll talk about New Japan. We'll definitely talk about NWA Power. And um, we will talk about Impact as well. Although I do need to catch up on Impact. Um, so... Yeah, that's all. I'm just going to leave it at that and hopefully stay tuned, watch this space because February we're going to get some weekly, better produced, more organised podcasts coming out.
Um, thank you very much. <laughs>